The 2019 season for Iowa Hawkeye baseball already underway. The first week is in and done with, and I got the chance to speak with the voice of Iowa Hawkeye baseball, Zach Mackey, earlier on last week, talking about the Hawkeye roster, the impact of scheduling, and a whole lot more. So don't miss out. Episode 9 comes your way right now on The Long Ball. From college to the pros, America's pastime in full force, 24-7 on The Long Ball with Andrew Brown. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome one, welcome all, you, me, and everybody in between. You're listening again to The Long Ball with Andrew Brown. I'm Andrew Brown, and I love to be back at it yet again for episode number nine now as we continue on with this glorious baseball sports journey that is the long ball. For those of you who are not familiar with this show, it is a show primarily revolving around the likes of collegiate and professional baseball, but from time to time I'll dip outside the realm of baseball for other intriguing sports stories. Glad you could join me again, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, once again, a big shout out to our sponsors, Tree Pans and Insulites. And as we do march along even further, I do want to reference you back to the last couple episodes talking collegiate recruiting in the baseball world with the head coach of the University of Louisville baseball program, Dan McDonald, and also the one and only Nick Falaris, newest member to D1Baseball.com writing staff. Great and insightful conversation with both individuals. Hope you can get a chance to check them out. I mean, really great stuff. And if you're a big baseball fan like me, you'll love it. I'm sure you will. Even the casual baseball fan, I'm sure you'll like that as well. And as we continue to march along, one more one more item to note. Uh, you can always check the show out on the Anchor podcast app as well as iTunes. It'll be on both platforms as well as uh, I have my own Twitter account now for the show at the long ball one. I'll have every single show uploaded there and also on my Facebook page as well. Uh, Getting everything together shortly as I get involved with the last word on sports as they start writing for them. Uh, I'm going to be one of their baseball correspondents. Very excited to be into that into that realm. Uh, Happy to be back into writing. Glad to be back back into writing and uh, again please check out that whenever you get the chance as well so now ladies and gentlemen it is finally time to initiate episode number nine and you're, you're gonna like this one i've taken the last three weeks or last two weeks to go and dive into collegiate baseball and i will continue that path as i get even more specific this time and i dive into iowa hawkeye baseball with none other than the voice of the hawkeyes zach Mackey. I will be doing that in just a couple minutes, but first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for me to get on my soapbox. It's time for me to get my word out there in a segment that I like to call, What's the Word? What's the Word? Here we go. Here come the benches. That's got to be wrong. Here we go, ladies. It's time for What's the Word? What's the Word? Manny Machado to the San Diego Padres. Now, if you haven't been aware recently, Manny Machado signed the largest contract in North American sports history. 
10 years, $300 million. Now, the, the reason why it's specifically the largest is because that's 300 guaranteed dollars, 300 million guaranteed dollars. 10 years with a five-year opt-out, but nonetheless, $300 million guaranteed. That means he could technically go five years and say sayonara and still get the $300 million. Nonetheless, he is one of the richest players in, in Major League Baseball history or will soon be that. And a lot of people at this point, even the casual fans, when they first heard, I think, I think it went one of two ways, and I think in this order. First, the Padres? Second, oh no, Machado's going to ruin the Padres. Now, despite my feelings on Manny Machado himself, Here's why I am going to state why this will be, and this is, the right fit for both the Padres and Machado. Now, it's, it's a multi-level, multi-tiered discussion, and the first level I'd like to point out is just the Padres organization itself. As an organization, if you're trying to sell to your fan base and you're trying to acquire more people to your fan base, having the the stretch that they've had over recent seasons is not the way to do so. You know, this team has not been to not, not had a winning season since 2010. This team has not been to the postseason since 2006. This team has been the doormat of Major League Baseball for quite some time. And you know what? They've had the lowest run differential. They've, they've scored the fewest runs over the past three years. They have been one of the worst teams in terms of offensive numbers each year out. They've had the lowest team OPS plus, I believe, or at least they've been in the bottom five the last five straight years. This team is abysmal. So again, you're looking to sell to your fan base that this will be an exciting ball club. You're looking to add fan base to the mix and say, hey, this is a club you want to see. And this is where Manny Machado will really come into play. Again, you're telling this fan base, hey, we are putting the money. We're putting our money where our mouths are. We're making this happen. Now, the Padres themselves, they have a payroll, a total payroll, just over $87 million. They are one of the small market teams in Major League Baseball, one of the smallest, yet they put up the largest contract in North American history. Now that brings a good transition into more of the fit category, why this will be a good fit from the Padres organizational standpoint. One, again, a payroll total of $87 million, yet they still have a lot of room left to sign an individual like a Harp, like a Bryce Harper on a similar contract. One reason being because nearly half, if not over half, the entire Major League roster for the Padres are hovering right around that league minimum, barely reaching in terms of millions of dollars. If you look in terms of just base salary, you know, Machado and Eric Hosmer are the only two individuals currently on the Padres roster with base salaries over $10 million. Even Will Myers is sitting around the $3 million base salary. And then you have Ian Kinsler right around $3 million as well. So ultimately, you have a lot of room to grow in terms of adding more pieces. Also, you take a look at the number one farm system in Major League Baseball right now, which is the San Diego Padres farm system. And they also had the number one prospect. Yes, I'll put him over Vlad Guerrero Jr. And I will say Fernando Tatis Jr. is the number one prospect in Major League Baseball. So you have the number one prospect and the number one farm system. 
You have guys who haven't even touched their MLB service time yet, and you could bring them up there and say, hey, now we have at least six years with a lot of these guys, 10 years with Machado, and still on the, and I believe the seven-year contract that Hosmer has signed, you still have him for these three, four more years. So now you have a good core group in place, and you've added some good defensive numbers to the mix. Machado has certainly held his defensive numbers as of late. From an organizational standpoint fixated on long-term success, the Padres are actually doing it the right way this time. You know, some Padre fans like to forget, but in 2014-15, they did the quick, let's get a quick, great season together kind of scenario, and that backfired on them. That was the year they added the likes of James Shields, Matt Kemp, Justin Upton, Craig Kimbrell. And they thought they were going to put together a very fast turnaround and make a perennial team just like that. It did not work. They got halfway through the season, not even midway point through the season, before they started selling off all of their pieces. So this time around, they've actually learned their lesson. They have a stable farm system they can replenish into the major leagues, ready talent that are ready now, service time that keeps them there for a while, and now you have a guy, an individual, who can be a cornerstone to push this team to success in a faster pace. Now with that, ladies and gentlemen, let's turn around and now look at the third prong. Manny Machado himself. Why is he a good fit here? Well, let me go ahead and and dive through a few things here. Now, Manny Machado, yes, I know that a lot of people feel he is a cancer to a clubhouse. And certainly his Johnny No Hustle campaign has certainly hurt his image there. But let me tell you why he is one of those once-in-a-lifetime players where his performance can overshadow anything that he does off the field. Now, Manny Machado, at such a young age already, has put himself at rarefied status. When you compare him to other greats, and there's been a stat comparison to him, uh, when you take a look and compare him to the likes of Joe DiMaggio, Barry Bonds, Stan Musio, Willie Mays, and even Lou Gehrig, he has not only had a better war that's wins above replacement mark at 33.8, he's not only bested all of those I just mentioned, but he's done so at a younger age. At just age 26, he has a wins above replacement mark of 33.8. Again, that number alone bests Joe DiMaggio's 33.6, Barry Bonds 33.3, and even Willie Mays at 32.5. And again, Machado has done, has done such at an earlier age at 26. Willie Mays didn't hit his mark of 32.5 career war until age 30. So you can see where I'm going with this. He has brought himself to such a level. And again, guys, war wins above replacement is not batting average. It means a whole lot. There's a lot more taken into account. So it is a better depiction of his performance, and he's doing better at a younger age. Now, as we continue on, what really, for me, justifies this even more is the fact that Manny Machado over the past six seasons has played in no less than 157 games. He has been the Cal Ripken Jr. Iron Man of today's age. Last two seasons, he has played in all 162 games, both seasons. He has been that Iron Man, and he has legitimately put up those strong numbers. So he is a guy you can count on to be in the lineup every single day, which is what the Padres need in order to grow, and he can continually produce the numbers, which that's how you, imp- that's how you improve as a team when individuals produce the big numbers. 
So he can do that. It's legitimate numbers. He's one of only four individuals over the past four seasons to have hit 30 homers and 30 doubles in each season. He has done phenomenal work. Manny Machado may not be the best attitude type of person, but his performance can vault a team through years to come into success and long-term sustained success to come long after he's gone. Also, the Padres are doing it the right way. A lot of people forget that the Houston Astros were once the doormat as well, and they were hitting up record losing seasons. Now they're perennial powerhouse. So a lot of people have to, even though I hate the word trust the process, they have to continue to trust the process. The Padres are finally doing it right. If you look deeper, the Padres have a lot in place. And that's why Machado and the Padres are a good fit. And ladies and gentlemen, that's your word. What's the word? Here we go. Here come the benches. That's got to be wrong. Here we go, ladies. It's time for What's the Word. What's the word? Once again, ladies and gentlemen, that was What's the Word, my newest segment to the show. And again, a great way to start things off. But now it is time that we get to the main event. And that includes the one and only voice of Iowa Hawkeye baseball, Zach Mackey, who joins me now as we talk about all things Iowa baseball and more. Zach, as it has always been and always will be, a pleasure to have you on the show today. Yeah, no problem. Always enjoy uh, getting to come on with Andrew. Now, Zach, I know just like myself, there's a lot of excitement in the atmosphere as baseball finally starts up here in Iowa with the Hawkeyes. Uh, You've been closer to it than I have. You've been around it. You've been calling the games the first week, slate of games that the Hawkeyes have had now. Uh, So how excited are you that we finally have baseball again, that we're back into the swing of things and uh, we're ready for another season to continue? Well, I know those of us that follow it, it is. It's exciting. You've been looking forward to it to be able to get the college season going. So many people, you know, who don't follow uh, college baseball are saying, what? You know, it doesn't feel like in this part of the country that uh, baseball should be starting up whatsoever as we sit under a couple of feet of snow right now in Iowa City. But, uh, yeah, it was nice to be able to uh, get it going. It's always nice in the beginning part of the season, too, because you get away. It's a nice bonding time for the team to be able to kind of get uh, closer bonds together on these away trips. And uh, it's fun, though, to get it underway. We uh, got it underway last Friday. And uh, just to finally get the games going, you get back. I mean, it's kind of everybody. I know knocking the rust off for the guys, it was kind of the same way for myself. In the beginning there, you got to get yourself back into baseball uh, baseball readiness. Now, Zach, along with myself included, I mean, you've been to Media Day, you've been to Media Days in the past. The 2019 edition really seemed very optimistic and very hopeful, and uh, rightfully so. There are a lot of great things going on, but of course the Hawkeyes did lose the likes of Joe Migliaccio, Desi Druschel, the hitting and pitching coaches from last year, as well as Cropley, Newstrom, the big hitters, and Nick Allgaier, a big, big individual on the mound. Again, despite those kind of losses, it seems like the Hawkeyes have retooled in a super manner as they seem to be back better than ever somehow. What's been your take on how they've kind of regrouped, regathered, and seem to have a better outlook for the 2019 season? Well, it seems like that's kind of the MO every media day that we go to. It's like, uh, how are you going to replace this? 
consistently, Coach Heller has been able to change that, continue to get uh, better talent in here to Iowa City, and continue to uh, just keep the program moving along. And uh, I think that's tremendous um, amount of respect goes out to Coach Heller and what he's been able to do to the program, not just like, you know, a team here or a team there. The entire program as a whole has just been consistently good now since he's taken over this program going in his sixth year. Uh, so I think that's been a huge part of it is just – kind of the question marks uh, that Media Day presented and, uh, you know, wondering where things are. This year's team's a little bit different than the other teams I've been around because there's 16 pieces, guys, that haven't even played D1 baseball before. Many of them are, are coming on to the Iowa Hawkeyes and, and trying to make a difference here early on. The, the Iowa coaching staff going to kind of the junior college ranks a little bit more so than what they had in the past to try to fill some of the holes that they have in this lineup right now and, and they knew they were going to have because of the draft you know it's it's a good problem to have when guys are going on to have uh, careers in major league baseball but it's also a, a tough problem to have as a coaching staff i know coach heller and marty and the guys they at times you know uh, have to continue to search and find talent and a lot of times it's the last second that they have to go out and grab that talent once again everybody you are listening to the long ball with andrew brown my guest today, none other than the voice of Iowa Hawkeye baseball, Zach Mackey. And Zach, I want to kind of piggyback off what you were talking about earlier with 16 new faces to the Iowa Hawkeye roster, whether it be freshmen, JUCO transfers, or what have you. Certainly a lot, a lot of new faces. And the junior college round has been something that we've seen come into fruition even more and more as the years have gone on. Certainly, I remember you and I talking with Coach Heller last year, right before the College World Series, about how he has dipped into the JUCO ranks more and more and how important it has been to bring forth legitimate D1 players to be on the Iowa Hawkeye roster. Now, of course, Heller himself is an amazing coach at finding those hidden gems and finding those players to really bolster the roster. And I want to continue that conversation, but specifically with the pitching side of things for 2019. Going even further than that, I want to take a look at one of the big question marks that uh, coming into the season was the back end of the bullpen, really the bullpen itself and the back end of the bullpen and how it would fare, how the closer role would turn out. And one individual, one name that I have heard thrown around a lot and certainly it made sense to me was Trace Hoffman. As you very well know, Zach, a Southeastern Community College JUCO transfer and certainly a guy that really fits the bill in terms of back end of the bullpen, if not the closer role. He was reliever of the year in the JUCO ranks last year, led the nation with 13 saves overall. Certainly a guy that fits the bill for the job at which the Hawkeyes need him to be. Zach, what are your overall feelings on this? How are you assessing the back end of the bullpen with the likes of Trace Hoffman and others? How do you assess where that is right now and, and where it could be here as we head into the next couple of weeks of baseball? Well, you know, it differs through time because uh, in game one, it was a totally different feeling than what it was in that third game. I thought the bullpen looked really solid in that third game. Trace Hoffman, like you said, uh, had a good showing in the first game, walked a little bit too many than uh, probably what he'd like to see coming out. Again, trying to get those jitters out of the way and everything. But like you, I, I definitely heard at media day and from what I've heard from Coach Heller and everybody down the stretch has been how far advanced they think that bullpen is. I talked to uh, Desi Druschel down 
down. He was down to the games over the weekend, and uh, he said, you know, the bullpen's probably the best spot it's been since Coach Eller's been here with the depth they have. And really, it's just going to be a question mark. I think there's a lot of new guys, like you said, that are going to make an impact, but it's these guys that are returning that have struggled down the stretch of their season while at Iowa. Are they going to be able to step up? Uh, Kyle Shim came in and out of the bullpen and, and did really solid work, struck him out one, two, three. Uh, his first inning of relief, but then the next inning couldn't quite find a strike. Walked a couple, had to end up going to the bullpen again, did Coach Heller, and a guy like Shane Ritter still trying to figure it out here now as an upperclassman. So those type of guys, I think, are going to have to really step up, but I really like the arms that they have. They're young arms, Drew Irvine and, and some of those guys who are just freshmen, but there's also some uh, some junior college guys that uh, you know we talked about as well that are going to come in and make an impact. I think that's going to be uh, something that you're going to see totally change in college baseball too is is the way that junior colleges are used and the way that um, junior college players play. You, you've seen it in uh, in other sports start to make an impact too. I think in football, um, it's making a huge impact. Guys who can go and get a couple of years under their belt and then they come game ready. And, and Coach Ellis had success with those guys coming out of the junior college ranks and and kind of seems uh, pretty comfortable with going that route and, and finding success like Iowa's had. Once again, everybody, you're listening to The Long Ball with Andrew Brown, speaking with Zach Mackey, the voice of Iowa Hawkeye baseball. Now, Zach, in terms of the freshman group, every year you get an interesting mix and a lot of talent for sure. This year you've been able to see just a glimpse of what they've been like, and certainly I've gotten to see and been lucky enough to see the likes of Drew Irvine, an individual from Waukee who has had a great high school career. He's been an individual throughout high school that has been very keen on changing up speeds, changing up location, keeping those hitters off balance, basically highlighting how important the mental skill set is along with the physical skill set. Of course, Irvine being one of the many that highlight the potential that this freshman group could become, and that's where I wanted to get your take on. What are your overall thoughts surrounding the potential that this freshman group has, what the skill sets that you see are, and what they could really develop into, not just in the next couple, two weeks, but uh, the season overall? Well, you know, right now their pitch counts are still fairly low, trying to get into it and trying to get into the, the motion of a full season. So those pitch counts a little bit low. Uh, so we haven't seen a whole lot out of the young guys. They're traveling uh, with us. They're still trying to kind of get into the motion of everything and and get everything figured out but uh i i agree i think they're gonna have to have a big impact on everything and the way that it works uh right now kind of the way the kind of the way that it sits though um it, it's going to be interesting to see the big jump like you said it, it is a difference going from high school baseball to go ahead and be into the college ranks it, it's not it's not an easy feat you're going against guys that were the best hitter on their high school teams every time and that's something that i know the the pitching staff and coach heller have said you're going against the best high school baseball player maybe in that state almost every at bat one through nine up and down so that's kind of something to get through and to know that hey you can't miss your pitches like maybe you got away with in in high school here if you miss a pitch it's going to be over the fence or something you got to not only be able to throw strikes and put it in there you got to be able to hit your spots and that's probably the most important thing that the pitching staff uh, talks about Now, Zach, I want to continue on just a little bit longer on the pitching side of things, and I want to talk about an individual that you and I touched on last year at some length. 
He was an individual that was deemed the 11th best freshman pitcher in the Big Ten, according to D1Baseball.com. A really a pleasure to watch in his freshman year, and that was Jack Dreyer. Now in his sophomore campaign, and Zach, I know you were there. I caught his season opener, and man, it seemed amazing. It was a wonder to watch. Ten strikeouts over five-plus innings of work really seemed solid and in control. What was your overall take on his season opening performance and really where he's come along in his career developmental-wise? Yeah, you know, Jack had a great performance. And actually, the pitcher of the week ended up coming on Sunday, Grant Jutkins. Jutkins, yeah. of the week. And uh, it, it really, it's a shame, not a shame, but everyone's kind of remembering what Grant did because he struck out 11, allowed zero hits in six innings, which was a phenomenal work on Sundays. But you got to remember, Jack allowed just one hit against an ACC opponent and struck out 10 in five innings. So they're two very good competitive players that, that pitched on Saturday and Sunday. Um, but yeah, Jack Dreyer has come leaps and bounds uh, throughout that one year. I could see a big difference throughout the offseason, I think, uh, just in the way that he, the confidence he has up there on the mound here in his second year now. He's a Saturday guy, uh, most likely not going to be here through the next couple of years. So you're going to have to keep him while you got him right now because Major League Baseball is going to be looking at the performances that he uh, is going to have. I just have a feeling throughout this year, but no, he uh, he looked good through 85 pitches, I believe, in that Saturday spot. Uh, he's got a good breaking ball, good slider. He's able to throw and uh, can strike people out with his fastball too. He throws it in there pretty good, just from Johnston uh, High School. And he, he's such an interesting story. You know, pitched his team to the state tournament his senior year, and uh, they get done. And then literally two weeks later. He leaves to go to Taiwan with the Iowa baseball team. Is pitching on the world stage uh, in Taiwan, and then you know, so two weeks ago he was in high school. Now he's doing this and and trying to start college already. Uh, two weeks into the semester and everything, so it was kind of a whirlwind that first year. But uh, I think Jack looks really good, really solid, and had a great start on Saturday. And once again, everybody, you're listening to The Long Ball with Andrew Brown speaking with the voice of Iowa Hawkeye baseball, Zach Mackey. Now, Zach, I want to transition to the offensive side, and I want to take a look through the first three games of the season. In Comiskey, Florida, nice weather. Unfortunately, couldn't get the very first win of the season in the season opener, but managed to put up 10 runs against Pittsburgh, a tough ACC team, and then against Marshall in the third game of the series. Kind of take me through what that was like for you, uh, really how you evaluate the first three games and the offensive production through the first week for the Hawkeyes. It was that the bats come alive there in those next couple of games. And, you know, people are looking at it real quickly would say, hey, what happened? You know, that first game against George Mason, well, Iowa went against a, a really good uh, sophomore at top of the mound who, who's going to be a top five rounder and decessory, their Friday night guy. And uh, they got an All-American behind the plate. They won the conference, uh, the American conference last year. They're probably going to do the same. So it's a really solid uh, team to come out of the gates with. And I hit George Mason, but just couldn't get the timely hits. Uh, we had more hits than them, but again, just uh, we're about two for nine, I want to say, with runners in scoring position, which is going to be difficult to be able to win games. And uh, gave up three defensive errors, and uh, the pitching staff started to walk and, and let up some home runs then. So it was kind of one of those games where a couple of aspects you could look to uh, didn't look too good for Iowa, but it flipped the switch surely in that second game. Uh, 
a lot of free bases given up by Pitt and Marshall, both in those last two games. And you got to give credit to the guys. They took advantage of it when uh, walks presented themselves, uh, when they got hit by a pitch, were able to get themselves around it and get on home. So it looked really solid. Uh, just one defensive error in those next two games. And it was a throwing error uh, from the catcher down to first base. So nothing, uh, you know, they liked the aggressiveness that they saw out of the defense. And, uh, it, you know, I, I talked to Coach Marty Sutherland in the post game on our on the Hawkeye Radio Network. And I said, you know, man, how how much you could just flip the switch and, and change. It looked like a totally different team. And he said, yeah, you know, that's what we preach throughout the season. They do. On the buses, you always hear, hey, we're flipping the switch. It's a brand-new game. And that's exactly how they approach that Saturday game. And they look like a totally different team. Zach Mackey, the voice of Iowa Hawkeye baseball, joining the long ball to talk, well, Iowa Hawkeye baseball. Now, Zach, I want to morph what we've been talking about here lately in terms of the junior college transfers and the hitting side of things. Two very big hyped-up players at the beginning of the season, junior college transfers in Isaiah Fallard and Tanner Padgett, brought in to be really replacements for the likes of Cropley and Newstrom, big power bats, consistent bats in the middle of that lineup. And uh, through the first few weeks of the season, it seems as though they have lived up to that hyper potential, at least to begin the season. I know Fillard had a two-hit game against George Mason in the season opener, and against Pitt, Padgett had a three-for-four game bringing in a run. So certainly off to a great start. But uh, from your vantage point and what you've seen, what is your take on how they've really started the season uh, comparatively to expectations, and what do you see going forward? Well, you know, that's sometimes the hardest thing whenever you uh, got these expectations coming in to be able to live up to it. But like you said, they've done a good job. Uh, Isaiah Fillard, I've really liked what he's done at first base. I think defensively he's been even better uh, coming up with a couple of key stops. He had a couple of scoops uh, at first base. and He looks really good defensively at first. And then uh, a couple of base hits, like you said. He had two in that first game, um, had a base hit then in the second game, and had another two then in the second game against Mark. So, uh, Villard looked good, I thought, and uh, Patrick showed that uh, he's got a little bit of power to him, too. He was kind of able to get uh, under a couple of balls, hit three straight singles in that second game against Pitt, a couple of RBIs with those, and scored a couple of runs, and, and Patrick came up with a double then in his first uh, first University of Iowa uh, hit. In the um, it was back in the sixth inning against George Mason, so he did a good job. Uh, I thought of of not trying to do too much. Yeah, he's a big, tall guy in there, and if he swings and and you know barrels up the ball well, sometimes it's going to go to the fence, but sometimes it's going to be a base hit, and that's what he saw in that second game. And now, Zach, here in the frozen tundra that is the Midwest, we certainly would have, we all would have enjoyed the chance to go with you and the Hawkeyes to Comiskey, Florida, to check out three great games and great weather down there. But now I'm sure everyone in their right mind is even more amped up for the fact that you get to go to Hawaii as the Hawkeyes take on the Warriors of the University of Hawaii. Again, a destination-like place, and and you're an individual who has been all over the map following the Hawkeyes, broadcasting their games. You've seen great venues. I mean, heck, you went to Taiwan for the World University Games. I'm sure that sticks out to you as one of the best, if not the best, memories and moments of your broadcasting career. But in terms of all the locations you have been to, especially within the continental U, where does this trip to Hawaii rank for you? 
No, yeah, this is it's going to be exciting. I've never been to Hawaii before, so I'm excited to uh, just kind of take it all in and see everything. And we're going to fly out tomorrow and uh, stay overnight in L.A. before getting into Hawaii on Thursday. It's going to be a, a bit of a quick trip because uh, we get there Thursday, play Friday, two games Saturday, one game Sunday, and then fly out on Monday. So it's fairly quick, but yet uh, hope to be able to see some of the nice things around the city and and the different aspects that Hawaii has to bring. But no, I have. I've been very lucky with the different trips and the different areas that I've been able to see in the country. Uh, you know, I, I hadn't traveled all that much uh, before uh, coming with baseball uh, five years ago. And I've been able to go to just about every part of the country all around and get to see uh, some good baseball and get to see what the cities have to offer. Like you said, the Taiwan trip was was one that I'll never forget. I mean, going over there for two and a half weeks, it was almost like a mini Olympic village. I mean, it was just so cool being a part of that. I really liked last year. I never, um, I had only been to Vegas for a little bit, sustained right on the strip last year, and, and that was really cool uh, being a part of that. We've been to Texas so many times, and down to Louisiana last year. I had never been down to Bourbon Street and seen all that, and Hawaii this year. They, Hawaii's definitely going to rank up there, I think, for sure, and just to get it see it and take it all in it's going to be fun I'm, I'm looking forward to it and nice to be able to escape this weather a little bit <laughs> no doubt it's going to be a great time there but along with the great weather you're going to be facing a pretty solid team you got to play some baseball over there a four game set against hawaii so with that here zach what what are the warriors looking like here so far in 2019 what are the Hawkeyes going to have to look forward to facing once they finally do land in Hawaii? Yeah, you know, from what I've seen, they've uh, they've struggled a little bit in the beginning of this season. They're uh, they're one and four right now, uh, or one and three, I should say, after uh, playing four games in the opening stretch where they didn't see all that much success. They kind of struggled in those first couple of games. They're trying to kind of flip the switch here and. and see if they can't get something against Iowa. So it's going to be a couple of key wins. This is probably one of those series when you look at and say you're going to need three or four. Uh, I know it's way too early to be thinking about RPI and where that goes, but you got to remember these are games that are going to affect you when it comes tournament time and tournament selection. Hawaii uh, had a little bit of a tough year last year, and uh, they're kind of on a little bit of a tough swing again this year. So um, you're going to have to be able to get some of those. They've got a tough draw Hawaii just in general when you think about uh, when they go to play a team they're going to have to go uh, most likely at least nine hours to be able to play a game and I see they're they're coming to Ohio State later in the year that's going to be a really long flight so their schedule just gets totally flipped around when they're trying to compete at the division one level and uh, it's kind of it's interesting because you know we've spent we'll spend the first five weeks on the road uh, but they're going to spend the first five weeks all at home not traveling at all they're a destination obviously people like go to and uh, teams are, are willing to to make the trip out there to be able to play but yeah so we'll we'll see how how it goes but again i i would exp- i would hope that i was able to take three uh if not it'd be perfect to take four against a team that's kind of struggled early on and really the real big test then is going to be next week uh oklahoma state continues to climb into the one of the top 20 teams in the country uh playing on their uh, home field so that's going to be a real tough one and this might be a good little uh, get ready for for that those next couple of series against Oklahoma State. 
Joining the Long Ball Show yet again, the one and only Zach Mackey, the voice of Iowa Hawkeye Baseball. Now, Zach, I want to expand upon what you were talking about there briefly in terms of the scheduling impact. Of course, big examples in other sports really indicate uh, the the importance or the impact that each committee has on each team and the scheduling and really the consequences in terms of postseason. Now, as we relate that into the baseball world for college, how do you feel the committee views games like these, especially Iowa against Hawaii? Do they have the mindset more of if you win, these are the games you should have won anyway? Or do they have more of a focus set on the losses that those games bear more weight? No, I think I think a lot of it does go into you know, those losses. I think there's a lot of look that goes into, hey, who who is this team losing to? And baseball is different than other sports. You can lose a couple of games, you know, because it's a long season and the way it goes. But you also want to lose those games to teams that uh, finish towards the top half in the RPI ranking. So we've we've seen, you know, throughout the last couple of years that, hey, RPI is huge. And if you want to get an at-large bid, which is so difficult to be able to get if you're a team playing in the North, then you're going to have to go out and get some of these teams from the South, and you're going to have to win these early season games. So that's why um, Coach Heller puts Oklahoma State on the schedule. We've got UC Irvine coming to town. Uh, a lot of those California schools are going to be coming in. Uh, so it it just adds to that. But I think this the committee a lot of times at the RPI looks a lot more at the games that you lost than the games you won. At the end of the year, Iowa last year came up with series wins against Michigan, Oklahoma State, two teams that were in the top 25, won the series, but yet it still wasn't enough uh, because of the, the losses to Northwestern at the end of the season, a team that was towards the bottom half of the RBI. So you definitely don't want to uh, skip out, especially here early in the season, because this is when you can kind of help out. Uh, help out. You don't have to have so much pressure on you come, come May. Speaking more on in terms of the scheduling side of things here, Zach, one big issue that you and I talked about last year was this, the issue of how Iowa could really fill their midweek games especially. With the Hawkeyes being the Lone Ranger in the state, there are not a whole lot of options that the Hawkeyes could do, especially at the major D1 level. And uh, that even seemed to bleed a little bit into the weekend series, at least a few of them anyway. Now, though, it seems as though there's a lot stiffer competition, a lot heavier competition, primarily on the weekend series side of things, but also within the midweek games. With the higher level of competition that Iowa is seeing, especially in the midweek games more specifically, is it safe to say that Iowa is getting more clout or more recognition within the D1 sector? Oh, for sure. For sure. I think so. And I think the biggest part was probably winning the Big Ten in uh, 2017. Uh, that was kind of a nice little notch that all of a sudden made teams go, okay, you know, this is Iowa. They're here to not just be around for a little bit. In 2015, you get an NCAA run and people start to look. And then when you can do it, you know, two years and, and if you can win 30 games and in four straight years, people are going to notice and say, okay, this is a team that's going to finish towards the top half. So, hey, we want to go play them because if we can beat them, then uh, it looks good for us come tournament time as well. And that's something that Coach Heller has worked on as that schedule continuously. I think Iowa's got to be one of the only 
teams in the country that uh, plays in a power five conference and doesn't have another d1 team that plays in their state so that makes it really difficult getting those midweek games you know those tuesdays and wednesdays uh because a lot of schools don't let you get out of school to miss an entire day of school so you're trying to play other d1 schools play schools around you and it's hard to find uh how that works out i know this year uh, northwestern's not on the schedule for our big 10 portion so we're playing them in a midweek game at a neutral site uh, just to you know, add another, hopefully a couple more notches uh, in the midweek to make that a little bit better than how it's been throughout the last couple of seasons. Talking Iowa Hawkeye baseball with the one, the only Zach Mackey, the voice of the Hawkeyes. Now, Zach, as I wind down questioning here, I want to simply talk Cole McDonald. He went from late weekend starter to now the Friday night mainstay for the Hawkeyes. Certainly a great talent, but as I talked to him on Media Day, he almost seemed like an additional coaching voice. He seemed to have a great sense, a great mind for the game of baseball, and obviously the talent is there. What have you seen so far from him early on this season, and what have you liked from really how he has developed and grown ever since he put on a Iowa Hawkeye uniform as a freshman? Well, Coach Heller always says uh, Cole's biggest problem is that he works too hard, sometimes a little bit too hard on his arm. and that He's just a guy that's always in the gym and always trying to get better. He's been uh, really good for Iowa at times, and he's now going to be the guy, a Friday night starter. And uh, he, he had a good outing, really, in that first contest against George Mason when three innings held a, a good offensive team just to two runs and then kind of got walking a little bit too many but still not a bad performance you look at a normal friday night uh cole would like it to be a little bit better i know talking with him he said eh, i thought it felt good those first couple of innings but then things didn't go so well those last couple so he was hoping to um hoping to have even a better outing and he'll get an opportunity here this friday he'll be the friday guy again to get an opportunity here but no he, he's become such a good pitcher from where he started as a midweek starter a bullpen guy and uh pitched a no hitter in taiwan and was part of the back end of this uh, weekend rotation last year it's great to have him back and he's really that only guy with experience in the weekend rotation so when you talk about him being kind of like another coach, he's going to have to be, hopefully, to that pitching staff, letting them know where they've got to be. He's a guy that's experienced a championship in the Big Ten and is hoping to be able to uh, get to that again. And once again, everybody, you've been listening in to The Long Ball with Andrew Brown, and I have been speaking with none other than the voice of Iowa Hawkeye baseball. His name is Zach Mackey, and Zach, it's been an absolute pleasure to be talking nothing but Iowa Hawkeye baseball with you. As always, thank you so very much for taking the time, and uh, from all of us here, enjoy not only Hawaii, but uh, many more warm trips to come this summer. Yeah, will do. Thanks so much, Andrew.